0: Boom, chicka boom, chicka boom, 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 chicka boom, 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 boom. I'm Ha, he he, 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 Welcome to Hitchcock Chronologically, uh, the show where I, Jeff, go through every single one Alfred Hitchcock's movies in chronological order. Uh, and let me tell you, let me bend your ear for a moment. I'm in a good mood today, boys and women. Frankly, there's like 17 of you, maybe. So I appreciate you. That being said, I am am through the woods here, man and woman, because this week I watched Sabotage, and I had mentioned before that I'd seen Sabotage or Saboteur, and I couldn't remember which was which. I had not seen Sabotage, which is our movie this week, so I've definitely seen Saboteur, which we'll get to later on down the road. But I gotta say, this was a good one. Like, unequivocally, with no irony, or, oh, it's just not the worst silent movie, this was a good movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. It took a while to get here. It came out in 1936. Again, it's called Sabotage. It stars Sylvia Sidney, Oscar Homolka, Desmond Tester, John Loder, not not to be confused with Kurt Loder, and a couple other people. this movie is uh, opens with a scene uh, of a screen just looking at a uh, the definition of sabotage in a dictionary. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you these things. this I, I'm I have a trouble weighing whether or not I should go into great detail or just kind of give you the overview because I think the details can be kind of monotonous at times. But I also don't know how to talk about this movie without going by scene by scene. The power goes out in London and the cause of this power outage is a, is, is some sabotage. There's some sand and some sort of gear machinery thing. And uh, we come to find out pretty quickly that it has been sabotaged by Carl Verloc, uh, who. Goes home and climbs in bed. And Carl Verloc owns a movie theater, which is operated by his wife, who is just called Mrs. Verloc. Her first name, I don't remember it being said. And it's not on IMDb, but I may have said it. But um, she's running the theater. The power goes out. So all the patrons want their money back. And so there's a like a greengrocer is what they call it. But essentially like a. Uh, f- produce stand nearby that's ran by a guy named Ted. I need a drink of water. Ah, that's better. Ah. Um, it's ran by a guy named Ted, and uh, he tries to calm the crowd down. And any th- this is monotony. Anyway, but Mrs. Uh, uh. Uh Vol Verloc goes upstairs to see if her husband is there to get some advice on these people that want their money back and he pretends to have been home the whole time, but we know he sabotaged it. Uh, now it turns out that this Ted guy is actually an undercover police officer. They're looking for the saboteur that did this sabotage. I don't know why they have him set up at the Green Grocer as his place of to stake out, but they do. And he starts to get feelings for for Mrs. Verloc, our, one of our protagonists. I don't know why I've got such a cough. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the thing is, is that Mrs. Verloc is significantly younger than Mr. Verloc. Now, in a lot of these movies where the, the, the woman has a thing for an older guy, it's never really explained. But here it's actually sort of identified. Why is this pretty young woman with this crusty old guy? And my guess is that she's an orphan. It's not said, which is nice. Sometimes movies don't need to say things. Um, But she has her little brother with her. And you get the feeling that she's married this guy, not for love, but because he takes care of both of them financially. They have a place to stay. So I'm guessing that they're both orphans, that their parents have died or left them somehow. And in order to survive, she has married Mr. Verloc. Their relationship is weird. They have a, a, a nanny there who cooks things. And there's like a recurring thing of that she cooks green vegetables till they're brown and it pisses off Mr. Verloc. Uh, So she has to go buy more groceries from Ted and Ted, the green grocer, comes up and meets the the man, uh, Mr. Verloc. And Mr. Verloc has the most amazing eyebrows you've ever seen in cinema history. Number one eyebrows, hands down. Uh, And he's got a a thick accent. So our three protagonists meet uh, at... Mr. Verloc's house uh, right after the powers come back on and they no longer need to refund the patrons of the theater.
1: Only anything for quiet. I don't like attention being drawn to us like that. Good evening, Mr. Verloc. Forgive me for butting in on your private affairs, but this bright specimen didn't appear to know whether you wanted long, round, square, or oblong lettuce. I brought a selection. I distinctly said long ones. You know I did. Did you? I thought you said long ones. I said long ones. Oh, good evening, Mr. Verloc. So you came home just in time to see the trouble, eh? Me? I've been in all the afternoon. But I could have sworn I saw you come in just about... Well, you were wrong. I didn't know anything about it until you woke me, did that. No. He was lying down upstairs. I had to call him.
0: Sorry. My mistake, I suppose. And Ted is on to Mr. Verloc, pretty much out of the gate. Uh, at some point, the other mobsters, I don't know if they're revolutionaries or what, but essentially it gets printed in the newspaper that this power outage is laughed off by London. What I don't understand is why they thought a power outage. So one of the, the, the gangster guys says people were laughing at this power outage. You needed to make a distraction and they can't, they can't be laughing it off. Right. But at what point did they think a power outage would, would be enough of a distraction? Like our power goes out here often enough, where it's just a nuisance, and it's not a crisis. It's not, uh, you know, an act that would make us quake in our boots, but apparently he thought it, Mr. Verloc thought it would, so uh, he goes to meet his, like, handler, I guess, and he's like, well, you're gonna have to blow some stuff up then, and Mr. Verloc doesn't want to hurt anyone, but essentially, he has no money, so that was the whole subplot of, like, him trying to pay back the patrons after the power goes out at this theater is that they don't have any money and so he's just doing these sort of odd jobs for this group uh for for money and he's told by this crusty old guy that he meets at an aquarium that uh it's time to blow something up and he gets sent to a guy who runs a bird shop and he's also apparently an explosives expert and this guy like has a wife or a, a no a, a daughter who also has a kid. And he, I don't know, but there's like a weird relationship there. And, uh, but he gets him some bombs that are hid in a bird cage that gets delivered to Mr. Verloc's house. And underneath that bird cage has like a false bottom where there's this package that is a bomb. He, uh, gives the birdcage to this young boy that is uh, Mrs. Verloc's uh, brother and uh, as pets. Now, this bomb needs to go off at 145. Okay. there. There's a note in the box that says the birds will sing in 145. And you're, you're, Mr. Verloc is a coward. And he decides, as opposed to himself delivering the package, he already knows there's some suspicion on him because there's a point where Ted gets caught like spying on them, and one of the the like mob guys knows who that is, calls him by his name. That's Sergeant Ted Choop Jam Jacka. Um, what's his name? Uh, that's Sergeant Ted Spencer. And uh, so he. Uh, already knows that they're onto him. So he uses this boy as a guise. He sends him out. Uh, al- along with carrying this bomb that's wrapped up like a package that he has to deliver, he also is carrying two film reels, which are for a movie called Bartholomew the Slasher. Uh, and then uh, he has a this kid has a conversation with Ted on his way out of the theater. He notes that uh, he's got this Bartholomew the Slasher film on him. And the reason this is important Is So this bomb's already got a timer on it. It's going to blow up at 1.45, right? And Mr. Verloc has decided he's not going to carry it. He's going to give it to this innocent kid who goes to try to deliver it. While he's running, he gets uh, not abducted, but there's like a, a snake oil salesman almost who grabs him and with the help of the crowd takes this boy hostage and starts using his various toothpaste and things on him
1: gentlemen i want to ask you a question what did it cause his teeth to fall out by a punch on the jaw <laughs> <laughs> the process of decay inevitable in all human organisms but decay can be arrested instantaneously arrested and by what With Copper. yes exactly but if i may say so by rather more than one copper by a few coppers I have here in my hand a tube of that remarkable preparation, salvo Don, derived from two Greek words, salvo no more and don't toothache. Sixpence for small tube and a shilling for the large tube containing four times as much. Now, let me give you just a little demonstration. Now, if somebody... Ah, I see you're uh, the young gentleman who I'm sure will be happy to assist me. No, I wouldn't. Oh, yes, you sure would. would. Come on, bug him up. Oh, 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 all right. In the chair, yeah. sir, so, if you don't mind. But uh, I... Allow me to relieve you of the toffee, eh? It isn't toffee. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Stay where you are. Oh, don't get excited, now then. Here we are. The first thing to do is to take the tube in the left hand and remove the cap, like so. Then we pick up the toothbrush and we squeeze some of the salvedon along the bristle, like so. Then, uh, I want you to observe, ladies and gentlemen, that the young gentleman's teeth are very dirty. They're not. Yes, they are. Now, come along. open your mouth. That's a good boy. Now, we now proceed to use the brush. Now, with the ordinary commercial dentifrices, what happens? It is either too gritty, and takes all the enamel off, or it ain't, and it don't take nothing off. <laughs> but with salvo done, that's the happy medium. Either too strong,
0: nor too weak. And so this scene goes on and on and on. Uh, he even does stuff to his hair. And keep in mind, this kid is carrying a bomb that he's unaware of. And he goes looking uh, to, there's like a huge festival. You heard the music and he goes running through the crowd and he finds his way on a bus that is heading in the direction he's trying to go. Remember, the birds will sing at 145. And this kid is on a bus filled with people. And the clock tolls, well, it doesn't toll but it clicks over to 145 and the bus blows up. And this young man is killed in the blast along with everyone else on the bus. You get to see the bus explode. It is a model. Uh, it doesn't look particularly great, but at least they tried and you get to see it. Um, and who's sent to investigate but our old pal Sergeant Ted, who sees the film, Bartholomew the Slasher, and knows that this young man has died. News travels fast, apparently, in London, as a printed newspaper is almost immediately uh, drawn up, uh, and th- he, this k- newspaper kid is running down the street, and uh, and a uh, uh, Mrs. Vol Verloc grabs the paper and reads that th- this bus exploded, and on board was the film Bartholomew the Slasher. And in typical old movie form. Uh, like all women in these movies, she takes the news by fainting immediately. It's so stupid. Like, can is there a precedent for that? Is that something that anyone can say scientifically, regardless of gender? Someone can receive news so horrible that you pass out? I mean, I, I guess it's possible, but not to the degree it happens in these movies. That I don't believe. Mrs. Verloc confronts Mr. Verloc and says, I know you sent him with this package. Mr. Verloc has no sympathy.
1: You'll have to pull yourself together, my girl. What's done can't be undone. I know how you feel. Do you think it doesn't touch me? Do you think I fixed it so that he'd be killed? No. But I tell you who did? Your Scotland Yard friend from next door, Ted. Blame him. I'd have carried the thing myself, but he was hanging around watching, spying. I couldn't get away.
0: Mr. Verloc decides that this is the best time to start talking about them having kids as a way to soothe her, I guess. He has no sympathy. You don't even hear. I I had to shorten it because he goes on and on. She doesn't respond. I didn't edit her out or anything. But there's like a long time he's just trying to make excuses and talk about how it was the guy who hired him's fault. As you heard there, he starts to blame Officer Ted, who obviously had nothing to do with it everybody but himself is to blame and he tells her that she needs to get it together because she's going to have to start covering for him. So it doesn't get pinned on him. What a great guy right after this scene, they start having dinner and immediately he just goes on about how the vegetables aren't green again. Like they just haven't had this tragedy. Like she just hasn't lost her brother. So she grabs a knife and he sees, well, she hadn't even grabbed it. She was looking at it. He sees her looking at it and goes up to her. And as he approaches her, he starts to lunge at her to grab her. And she grabs a knife and stabs him. He dies immediately. This is one of those movies where, you know, people die immediately from one stab wound. They don't slowly bleed out. They just dead. Uh, and she finds her way uh, to the next room and is crying. Uh, officer Ted comes up and, uh, you know, he's like, Oh, I guess you heard of, and she thinks she's weeping because her brother's dead. Uh, but she, well, I mean, it's part of it, but she's like, we need to go to the police. I killed. Well, she doesn't say it, but Ted goes to the next room and finds Mr. Verloc dead. And she confesses that she did it. Let's go to the police. I'll turn myself in. And the rest of this movie plays out. If you've, if you've been listening to this show from the beginning, you remember in uh, the movie called blackmail, uh, the female lead wants to take responsibility for a man. She killed in self-defense. And her husband just does his best not to let her. And they end up, it ends up getting the police start to pin it on someone else. And The husband's like, all right, let's just be quiet. Let this other person take the fall. They're dead anyway. What's the big deal? So they're going to go leave the country. uh, Basically, he talks her into leaving the country. She's still weighing it in her mind, but this is happening at the same time. The guy who made the bomb, his wife sends him to go retrieve the birdcage that it was in uh, because I guess they want to resell it or whatever. He goes there. They, the police find out that this bomb guy is in there. The bomb goes, there's a bomb inside. It goes off, blows up the movie theater, Mr. Verloc with it. They're able to pin the death of Mr. Verloc on the Mr. Bomb man. And we roll credits. Our lead, Mr. Ted and Miss Verloc are now together. And, uh, Everything is fine, other than her brother is still dead. Like, he doesn't come back from the dead. I really like this movie. Um, even though, at the end, when it started to look like the plot from Blackmail, it still was better than how it was done in Blackmail. And the characters all make sense and have motivations, and like, they're not boring characters. You know, Mr. Verloc is this kind of terrible guy. He starts doing this for money, then he compromises his morals and it costs him, but he's too proud to take the blame for the stuff that's clearly his fault. It's a complex character. Uh, Mrs. Verloc is someone who uh, has someone she cares very much about more than anyone who is her younger brother. She marries a guy to help take care of her and in in its own way has become the undoing of this young man. And then Ted is actually just a cop, but he's likable. He's charismatic in all of his scenes. You root for this guy. It's not like some of the heroes in these movies where it's like, I don't like this character. If you think back to murder, the lead in that was this rich guy who fancied himself a detective. I didn't like him. You know, he should have stood up for anyway. All the characters, maybe they're not likable, but the ones that aren't supposed to be are not, and the ones that are, are likable. You want to root for the protagonist. You want them to win. It just is a good, solid movie. This is my favorite movie I've watched. This is The New Champion. Uh, if you don't know, I am, as I go through these movies picking one as my favorite. And previously to this, the skin game one and was one of my favorites and the number 17, but number 17 is a train wreck, but it's fun to watch. This is just a well put together film and it's on both HBO max and Amazon prime. If you want to watch it at the time of this recording, you can, and it's, it's really worthwhile. It is still a little hard to understand with the recording of the audio, but it's better than a lot of the previous movies have been I did not have to watch this with subtitles so I definitely recommend if you're interested in these old Hitchcock movies this is the first one I can say feels like a Hitchcock movie through and through it's good it's well acted it's worth your time and it's an hour and 17 minutes okay wonderful like I said I told Mr. Hitchcock to keep that up we'll see if he does So we're going to move ahead one year to 1937 to watch Young and Innocent. This came out in 1937 and it's an hour and 23 minutes long. That's kind of fine, you know, sure. Uh, So this looks like another murder spy thing. It's called Young and Innocent. So I don't know. I've never heard of this or seen it, but it is on prime video. If you so wish to watch along, I do want to thank you for listening. If you do listen, I appreciate it. Thank you. Anyway, if you want to reach out to me, you can email the show at hitchcockchronologically at gmail.com. Also, check out the link in the description for the Budget Arcade Discord. It's a great place to chat with me in real time. Uh, Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.